Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome into Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Thanks so much for listening. Wherever and whenever you're listening, it's probably beer o'clock, and we've got a lot of good stuff coming up for you right here on the podcast starting right now. Welcome back into Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris, and uh, we would like to start by apologizing for missing last week's episode. Um, Hashtag not sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. Just joking. I, <laughs> I, I am sorry. I apologize. I had this thought because wah, wah. Uh, it was it was a holiday week, right? Uh, we had weird schedules, and I texted Patrick on Thursday, and I went, "You haven't responded to my text in like a week and a half." Yeah. And I, because I had sent you many, mm-hmm. and just not about the podcast, just general things. And I was like, "Are you alive?" And you're like, "Barely, barely." <laughs> I barely survived. I'm so glad it's January, dude. Life is so chill right now. It's awesome. And I'm so thrilled to be working a full work week because it feels better than working week, weeks when you have Wednesday off. Yeah, it's very strange. Um, but I texted him. I was like, "Yeah, we're not recording the podcast, are we?" You're like, "No, we're not. No, not at all. <laughs> not in the slightest." Uh, so we didn't do the podcast last week. Apologies, but that means that we get to do our year in review podcast today. Hoorah! Uh, so I actually found it. I still had. On my notes on my iPhone, I've I have like one beers on us note, and I just keep adding stuff to it per episode. And I scrolled up and I found last year's year in review, and we had like a little mini award show for ourselves. And I was like, well, let's do it again. So that's what we're doing today. We got the year in review. We're going to talk about the year in beer in this in this state and in the country. If you want to expand it that far, we'll give our own personal awards out, and uh, that'll be the podcast for today. I would like to thank the Academy. Yeah, I would like to thank whoever gives the Golden Globes out. Yeah, and, that's not the academy, um, but that's somebody the the Globies. And here's an annoying uh, message about politics. Yes, uh, and here's an annoying message about your annoying message about politics. No, your annoying message about your annoying message about my annoying message about politics. Okay, I can get down with that. Yeah, that's enough. That's enough inception for politicking uh, for me to really fully understand and embrace in this day and age <laughs> of just being total cluster f all the time. Um, so you can find us all over the place. Our Instagram is Instagram.com slash beers on us. Our personal social media. I'm at Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter. Patrick's at P Diddy 085 on Instagram. And then uh, the podcast uh, can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, Radio.com, 1080thefan.com, Stitcher, Omni, all of those various places um, that you can find it wherever you get it. Subscribe, rate, review, and download. It, it helps the numbers out for us and just makes us feel good and also shows. I think it helps push the podcast out a little bit more, too, it- if we get more downloads and better ratings. So. Um, if you have yet to do so and you enjoy the podcast, then please leave us a rating and a, and a, and a review. It's, it's nice to see. Um, we've now done this for a year and a half, yeah. which is pretty crazy. It's pretty fun. It feels like it's been like five months mm-hmm. and it's like, I looked at the episodes and I, I was looking back through the the year of episodes and I was like celebrating one year on the podcast with grains of wrath was in july yeah that was six months ago <laughs> i'm like what it's pretty cool <laughs> it feels like it was yesterday and also one year was six months ago it's been a wild ride that's for sure um and i think we failed on our new year resolution last year which was to go on location more because we didn't no that's okay <laughs> did you listen to last to the year in review episode i did not okay no. i did not be interesting i, I just that. i remember that's what i said is like what do you want to do coming up for the podcast for i was like i want to go go more places that's that classic like what do you want to do with your life next year i want to travel more make one trip did it did it got Done. it actually we did go to a decent amount of places early in the year mm. and then we went to like one in six months yeah that's not good yeah, let's so be better about that we'll be better um we have a new piece of equipment in the building that's for podcasting which i'm not sure if it's better or worse so we'll, we'll find out next time we bring it out i imagine um but uh we'd like to i i know we've been promising this for six months and please stop yelling at me i hear you yelling at me please stop yelling at me our next on location we're going to do the oregon city weekend with Yay. dave fleming we've been talking about it for ever since the lucky lab episode he's even brought it up to you multiple times yep uh, both of our schedules will be way easier now that we are out of the, for me, the football season and for you, the holiday season. Yep. 
Um, yeah, I got nothing to do. Like nobody even comes to the restaurant. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, my schedule is now very, very basic, which is just how I like it. I don't need to be doing two or three things a day every single day. Um, so uh, we'll have plenty more time to do that, and weekends will be easier as well. So that'll be coming up in the near future. But uh, we got the Year in Review podcast today. I don't really have a, a weekend beer to talk about. Uh, as part of my Year in Review awards, I have something I wanted to talk about, but I'll save it for that. Okay. Um, I think the only thing of note is that I tried a new brewery. Uh, it was called Perennial. I think okay. it's from St. Louis. Okay. I'm familiar with them. And they had a uh, really good stout that I got from New Seasons. Uh, I saw it and I went, well, of course, it's a stout, so I'm going to try it. And I saw Perennial. I was like, I haven't heard of these. I turned the can around. It said St. Louis. I was like, okay, cool. Um, It was good. It was a solid stout. I guess it's a series they do. This was the basic one. They have many variants of this one. But I enjoyed it. Um, Perennial is a known brewery. Is it? They are a known brewery. I had not heard of them before. So, I mean, clearly they're not super well distributed out here, but I saw one can. So I was like, okay. I'll do that. Um, beyond that, I don't think I've done anything particularly interesting beer-wise in the last couple of weeks. Not that I can remember. I mean, I I had like a four and twenty from Culmination, and I've I've had some you know classics that I've gone back to. Uh, by the way, four and twenty was uh, honorable mention for my beer of the year last year. Ooh, nice! <laughs> I just I like that. Beer. I deleted it, but I, I saw it again. Um, so yeah, I've had some of my old classics here, but uh, that was the the one thing of note outside of what I'll be talking about later for my last week or two in beer. Yeah, I don't have much to say either. Um, I mean, just some here, there, some stuff that I've already forgotten about. But I will say this. The first beer I had of the new decade was a Miller High Life 40 in the shape of a champagne bottle. You told us you were going to do that. Yep, I had that on New Year's Eve. There you go. At, or New Year's. You had it on New, new Year's, Year's Day, Day technically. Yeah, at yes, like 12.01. Yes. Yep. <laughs> uh, so that was fun. Was it really like a big champagne bottle? No, it's, or it's, 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 it's a little 40 mini. ounces. Yeah. So it's not that much, but it was in the shape of I mean, a champagne bottle. It's a 40, bottle. though. I mean, that's still, yeah. it's pretty good size. It was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. cost me $4, too. You know what? That's good. Good Hell of a bang deal. for your buck? Yeah, dude. That's a dollar, 10 ounces for a dollar. I don't. Full disclosure, I don't think I've ever had Miller High Life before. Oh, really? Really? It's so bubbly. That's why I like it. Hmm. It's not good in a can, though. It's meant to be in a bottle. That's strange. It's, I've I, I talked about this before, and I've got I've gotten over my fear of cans. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember our our bottling or canning episode, whatever it was yeah. called. I said I prefer beers in bottles. I still do for holding it; it's easier. But um, I've gotten over my fear of cans. I think the canning process has gotten better because now the beer doesn't taste tinny or metallic when you drink out of it. Yes, I uh, would agree. So uh, generally, however, I've gotten over that. However, high life only in bottles. Taste tinny and metallic out of a can. No, it's just you lose. I think you just lose some of the carbonation aspect to it. Hmm. Gotcha. I don't know. I don't know what my first beer of the New Year was. It was not on New Year's Eve because we were having a Brut Rosé uh, as the ball dropped, and then we went to sleep. Uh, I know you stayed up to like six in the morning that night. So yeah, um, I not don't, by choice. Not by choice. No. Well, somewhat. I mean, I guess I wanted to continue to be employed. So yes, it was by choice. Also, you were like playing a show. Yeah. So that's I suppose kind of that's by true. Choice, but we right? finished by we finished at one. Ah. And then you had to stay employed. Yes. Yeah, I understand. Um, but yeah, I don't know what my first beer was. It might have been a Jubal Ale. Not a bad first beer to have. No, not I've a bad got, one I've got all. some Jubals in there right now. They're really good this year. I know. I had. I That's what Sam told us at Von Ebert. He yeah. was like, have you had Jubal Ale this year? And I was like, no, I haven't. He was like, it's fantastic. I had. I did end up having one after he said that. It was on tap at a place right by my house. Really good. And it was great. Yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. It's really good this year. Um, all right. So, year in review. Where to begin? We shall begin with the trends in craft beer this year and what we see moving forward. That is what is on the top of my list of notes. Um, I think what we saw this year was a lot of what we saw last year. I mean, mm-hmm. we saw a continuation of the lager style and yep. the crispy boy movement coming forward. Um, I think if we want to be a little bit different, I think we saw more experimentation. I think we saw more experimentation with ingredient locations. Um, mm-hmm. where the malts and hops are coming from. I think Southern Hemisphere hops, I mean, they were already big two years ago, but that was another, there's another big boon for them this year. Um, I mean, this is recently in memory for me, but I've seen it at other places. Uh, I mean, Von Ebert had that French style and the uh, Italian style Pilsner. I mean, they're they're doing things that are from different regions of the world and incorporating it into beer locally. Um, so we saw that and, I, and some experimentation, cool, interesting ideas more a little bit more so than normal which i thought was a lot of fun so if that's 
if that's the trend, I think that's a good trend because people are just getting a little bit more wacky and crazy and finding out what's good. I would agree with you on 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 all points said, and I'll just throw in some other things. I think some other trends that I saw this year, and I know this is weird because I think you're you mean more of like style trends and, and production trends. No, you can be whatever. But, okay. Uh, the a big trend that I'm seeing is the general public is demanding higher quality. And I would Which say, is something you called for last year, if I remember correctly. You said, don't settle for crappy beer just because it's there. Yep. Or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. You said, demand. we are in the best place for craft beer in the world. Right. Demand quality because otherwise we will no longer be the best place for craft beer in the world. Yep. And I think we started to see that. And a lot of that has to, you know, and the returns on that trend I mean, that sounds positive, but it's actually kind of a negative, is we see breweries close. And I didn't see a single brewery close that I was like, oh, man. And I think that's because the general public is demanding a little bit more quality. And we're starting to see that in terms of what breweries are succeeding, um, what we've seen already from whether it's the Oregonian or New School or whoever wants to put out their end of the year stuff, you know, they are rewarding breweries that are making great beer. And I think we're really... Seeing that outside of the nerd zone and more so in the general consumer. Now we just have to see how it really plays out in, you know, like grocery stores and stuff. Well, like I talked about on the podcast probably a month or two ago is that I go to Albertsons to shop. It's the closest grocery store to my house. Mm-hmm. And their beer selection has always been really mediocre, right? It's yeah. it's all the usual stuff. And recently it's gotten better. Recently they brought in... Now, I'm not sure if this is a good or bad thing for the shelf life of these beers, because if they're bringing in a ton of unique different types, some people might not touch some and it might get old. That's a different question, a different topic. But all of a sudden, there were Freem cans and Bell Breaker cans and all these things were there. And I was like, oh, these are things that didn't used to be here. It used to be just the old reliables. Mm-hmm. And it was the big beers that are small beers and and the independents. I mean, there was Rogue, there was Deschutes, but there was Ten Barrel and Widmer and and uh, Hop Valley. All of that in huge cases and six packs and all that. And you, you know, Breakside was there and stuff. But generally, that was it. You know, Kona, Red Hook, the the usual suspects. And now it was like, oh, there's everybody's brewing is there now mm-hmm. in cans. Um, I mentioned Bale Breaker. I, I see Freem because I see it on the shelf in my head. I'm trying to think of what else was there. There were so many breweries. I was like, "Thank you, thanks." I, Crux, Crux was there. I was probably like, saw some Sun River there. Sun River was there, yes, and that, that had not been there before. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "You know what? This is better." Now, I might eventually be having past date beers from them because right. if they're trying to be a little bit more diverse, some things might get taken less because people are scared of it. But I'm happy that they're trying. And Albertsons and Safeway have a relationship. That means Safeway is probably trying harder as well, which is a good right. sign. Um, to your point of we want to see more, uh, we, we want to see more um, quality being spread to the consumer, not just the the beer nerds. That's great. That's perfect. So um, that, that to me is a good sign for sure. Uh, what do you see moving forward? You've already talked about. You think the West Coast IPA is coming back this year, right? I think yeah. I mean, I think people are going to focus on it. I think we're just. I think. A, uh, the 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 public I don't think is that tired of hazies, uh, but I think brewers are. I'm noticing less and less hazies, for the most part, coming out of most breweries. I, I I'm noticing places are becoming more selective and saying here is a hazy or here's two hazies. There are some places that have kind of gone full like I think Hub is now like full hazy. Like the, I've gone there recently and it was like eighty percent of their beer menu was hazies. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other places that are like that too, but I think a lot of brewers are just kind of like, yeah, we get it. You want a hazy, here's one or two, but we want to keep experimenting again. Yeah, I think I think I think the general population still loves hazies. I think brewers are pretty sick of it. And and I you know, I can only speak of the pub that I work in. Uh we have a beer on right now, Star Sprinkles, which is a collab we did with Cloudburst out of Seattle as part of our 10-year anniversary series. And it's, you know, it's this really cool beer. It's got cool bitterness to it. The hop character is so non-breakside, and that's what's really fun about it. It's like Cashmere, Comet, Chinook, and Amarillo um, with some really cool kind of hop stuff that I can get nerdy about. But that's all the kind of nerd aspect about it. On the menu, it says Star Sprinkles, Hazy IPA, collaboration with Cloudburst, and it's one of the fastest-moving beers in the history of Slabtown. And Cloudburst is known for their hazies. And, so it's- and so And so I think... 
I think part of it, yes, is that it's a collab with Cloudburst, but I don't know if the general population in Portland really knows Cloudburst outside of us beer kids. Like us beer kids, for sure we know those guys. You know, F-A-B and Bev, of course we know those guys. Uh, but I don't know if the general consumer is. However, the fastest selling beer in the history of Slabtown is a Hazy IPA, which tells me at least our clientele at that location still love Hazy's. And we've got another one on with Sun River, and that beer is moving fast too. However, I do think brewers in general, I don't want to speak for, for our guys, it, our brewers in general, I think are getting a little sick of it, but we still love hoppy beers. And there's still, I think, more ground to be covered with hoppy beers. As Sam spoke of with the uh, Sabraj from Von Eber, that is a dry IPA. A year ago, you call that a brewed IPA and everyone laughs at you. And now you taste that and you're like, this is amazing. Weird. Sometimes it's just that simple. Yeah, right? sometimes it's just that simple. So I think getting back to the clear IPAs and then getting back into kind of experimenting with that, I think is going to be a big trend. The other thing I really want to that I think is coming, and we're already seeing this with some breweries like Wayfinder and Ruse to an extent, and even Von Ebert again, because I noticed they launched this, is more package of lesser known Lesser popular styles, please, like black loggers and dunkles. Like Bowie has a six pack of dunkel out there. Who in the hell does that? So I think that is another trend we're going to see in 2020 is styles that aren't just loggers, aren't just IPAs, and aren't just stouts, ambers, and reds, and start to see a lot more crazier styles in cans mostly. I would love that. I'd also like to see this, and this might be less about breweries doing it more and more just distributing it more. I want to see more small batch stuff coming to the shelves. Yeah. Um, if if what we're saying is true with the average consumer becoming a little bit more intelligent about what they're drinking and at least more curious about what they're drinking, then they will purchase those specialty beers if it's a brewery that they trust. Mm-hmm. And I'd love, love to see, I'm talking at supermarkets, not bottle shops and not at the places where you normally get the specialty beers, to have... Uh, like. I know Deschutes is a different level of distribu- distribution, but they're now packaging. I forget what they're calling it. It's like their their special series, mm-hmm. and they package their Baltic Porter, yeah. and they package their slightly exaggerated IPA, which mm-hmm. was which was a small batch IPA that they packaged into six packs. That's small really cool. batch for them. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, enough to bake a ton of six packs for. And it's like that's cool because if you if you already are a Deschutes drinker. And when you go to the supermarket, you get three options. You get Black Butte, you get Maripond, you get Pacific Wonderland, and maybe one other. Yeah, and that's it. Fresh Obsid- squeezed. Or Obsidian Stout or yeah. whatever. And you see this, you go, well, I love to shoots, and I'm tired of having the same four beers every day. Let me try this. Yep. Th- that would be so... It would help these breweries so much, I think, in expanding the knowledge base of their consumers, but also expanding their consumer base, because people will try it and be like, oh, I'll go there. That's cool. I'll try that. Um no, we live in a great place that has a lot of good specialty supermarkets that people who, even the average consumer, will go to and find good beer. I mean, Zupan's, New Seasons, hell, even Whole Foods, they've got good beer selections compared to like a Safeway, but I just want to see that a little bit more. Yeah. But I think that's a great point. Um, all right, let's take a quick break before we get into the actual beer awards okay. that we've got. Um, and then we also have what we want to do on the podcast moving forward, which we talked about earlier we failed at this year (laughs) so maybe we'll make a better promise this year i don't know um let's take a quick break coming up next it is our beer awards personally the beers on us beer awards for 2019 (laughs) the boobas the boobas remember the boobas i do remember that's what we called them right the beers on us beer awards the boobas is that what we called them? I think they were called the boobas. Yeah, that does sound familiar. Boy, my memory is not good anymore. <laughs> I'm getting old at the age of 30. Um, all right, let's take a break. Next awards. Bye. All right, it is time for the, I guess, the boobas. I, I, I don't remember. The what boobas. We, I don't remember what we called them, but I'm, uh, that sounds familiar. So you're probably right. Um, our personal beer awards for 2019. Um, the categories are best quote unquote new brewery. This could be a new brewery or one that you discovered for the first time this year. Best brewery, favorite beer, favorite specialty beer, uh, most surprising beer that you had this year, our favorite episode of the year, okay, favorite guest of the year, okay, and favorite experience on the podcast, okay. That is the awards. We will start at the top with the best quote unquote new brewery. I have two shared winners on this one. 
One of which I believe you might pick after hearing it. And the other one is one that I didn't know existed until like six months ago. And I think it's because they've started distributing more. My winners, and I'm, I know I'm sitting on the fence here, but this is not an honor. They're, they're tied for me. Are Beachwood Brewing from Southern California, right? Who have started distributing some of their beers up here. And Bailbreaker for me. I had never had Bailbreaker beer. Their beer is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And um, I had their Top Cutter IPA. I had their 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 specialty one that just came out, the Sewn and Grown or whatever it was mm-hmm. called. I've had some others from them. And then the Amalgamator IPA from Beachwood. And then there was another one. Citraholic. Citraholic, and yeah. And Sim Coast to Coast. And yeah. then they have this lager right now, out right now. Oh, I love that brewery. So the, those are my two best new breweries for me. I don't. Is Beachwood actually a new brewery? No, no. They've been around for They're a while. They're just distributing more? Yeah, they just, we're finally getting stuff up here on the regular. So yeah, so these neither of these are new breweries, but uh, they are my favorites of the ones that I discovered this year. Well, that's the route I was going to go, because... New breweries, there isn't anything that I've had this year that was new that really, like, jumped out to me. I've had some new stuff, but nothing that really, like, screamed at me, get this, get this. So that's how I took this question was, what has been in the market lately that is really that's come to the market lately and is really good? I have had Bailbreaker beer for probably 10 years, maybe it seems like. It feels like I've had, maybe not 10 years, but it feels like I've had Bailbreaker for a while. Um, but you are correct. We are now starting to see them. I used to, every once in a while, drive over to Vancouver to the Plaid Pantry downtown because they would have Field 41 Pale and you couldn't get it anywhere in Oregon. But now that I'm seeing them, I thought the citrus liquor fresh hop beer was fantastic. Oh, that yeah, sown yeah. and grown is absolutely phenomenal as well. And so I would I would give a lot of credit to Bailbreaker for coming into this town and people being like, oh yeah, Bailbreaker, duh, of course they make good beer. And it's a good call about Beachwood. I forgot about Beachwood. So you agree? I would agree 100%, Mike. I, th- <laughs> okay. I, think, you, I think you nailed those. Uh, best brewery of the year. This was a tough one for me. Last year I voted for Freem. Mm-hmm. Um, this year I'm voting for Von Ebert uh, in terms of who I had. the. This is This is a personal one of whose beer did you drink the most? And for you, whose beer outside of your own company did you drink the most? Unless mm-hmm. you want to vote for your own company. That's cool. Or own brewery. Um, company. I guess technically it is a company. And I am an owner of that company. Uh, yeah, partially. Um, Whoa. Easy on the partially thing. <laughs> Weird flex there, bro. Is that, is that wrong? No, it's not wrong. But I was like, <laughs> I am an owner. You were like, yeah, partially. <laughs> that's well, like that's like dub. We want a title. Yeah, you split it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, okay. Apologies. Uh it's Von Eber for me because the amount of times I w- people were like, hey, you want to go to go to a brewery? And I was like, yep. And I was like, do you want to go to Von Eber? They're like, we haven't been there. I'm like, you're going there right now then. Uh, and I brought them there multiple times. Uh, I'd gone there multiple times. Our episode there two weeks ago was great. But uh, to me, that is, it wasn't even that close for me this year as they were my brewery of the year. It was Von Eber. Such good stuff. Oh, it's a tough one for me for a lot of factors, uh, you know. Not just because I work there, but I am very proud of the team at Breakside this year. I think our beers right now are absolutely incredible. We took a shot at mass producing some loggers throughout the year and putting them on the market. And I think for the most part, that went really, really well. And I think for a brewery that's known for hoppy beers, I think that was a a calculated, well-done risk that I think was quite successful. However, I'm not going to choose the company that I work for because it's the company that I work for. I work for them for a reason. Uh, number two, one thing that's really difficult is I do not want to be the same person as every other person. And every other person on this planet, including yourself, Mike, has chosen Von Ebert as their 2019 Brewery of the Year. However, I'm going to choose Von Ebert as my 2019 Brewery of the Year. Um, that, <laughs> it was the boobas, by the way. I just yeah, found it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think... I think the recognition that Sam and Sean are finally getting over there means the world to them. They are some of the most humble brewers you are going to meet. They are some of the most talented, traditional, yet willing to work outside the box and think outside the box people you're going to meet. They're just good brew people, and I really want to see that place succeed. <clears throat> I know the Oregonian named Volatile Substance, their you know IPA of the or their beer of the year. I disagree with that as the beer of the year, but I'm still choosing a Von Ebert beer. So when we'll get to that, I'm sure in a minute. But I think what they're doing is fantastic. I think what they've always done is fantastic, and I don't know if it's canning that has put them in the spotlight or if it's just tweaking recipes. But I knew these guys were going to succeed the day they opened. 
Uh, and I'm glad that people are giving them the love they deserve. It is. Uh, it's been a good year for them. Good couple of years for them. It's been a very good them. year for them. And I think, I think 2020 for them. In talking with Sam last time on the on the podcast, more more diversity in can releases, more frequent can releases. I think they are going to become a mass player on this on the scene real quickly. OBAs are in a month. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. <laughs> Let's go. Good luck to you guys. I I, I hope you do something because the crowd there will appreciate you and they will be very excited for you. So hope you do well. Uh, favorite beer of the year. That's you, are, neat. you alluded to it. That's so an you, easy you one. Start. Yeah, yeah, it's the Augustini Pills from uh, from Von Ebert. Yeah. That beer, I had it for the first time in its first inception batch at Glendevere, and then it got put in cans, and I could drink that beer till the end of time. Uh, my favorite, and this is what I was saving for this part of the podcast from earlier in the podcast. Uh, I have found my favorite barrel-aged stout. Yeah? And it's Crux's Tough Love. Oh, you said this to me last night. Yes. I. So the story behind this, and I think I told it on the podcast a year ago or so, was my parents came to visit, and I brought my dad to John's, because he's a big craft beer guy, but he doesn't get a lot of options out in New Jersey. And mm. I was like, I want to show you John's Marketplace so you can see just the amount of options you could possibly have. And I was you know, getting some stuff for myself. And he was following me through the very narrow aisles. And uh, I looked at the Tough Love, and it was, you know, wax-sealed, purple color, really cool label. They called their Banished series down mm-hmm. at Crux. I looked at the price. It was like $25. I was like, Woof. nope, not doing that. So I walked away, and then uh, I, pr- I bought my beers, and my dad bought his beers, and he had, he bound up buying me that one. He went back and got it and bought it for me, which was really nice, and I was really thankful I thought the beer was delightful when I drank it, right? I was like, this is a really good beer. And I was like, I'm probably never going to buy this for $25 again. <laughs> um, this year, they put it into, I think, it, I don't know if it was 500 milliliters. They put it into smaller bottles, and they were like 12 bucks, 11 bucks. So you get less beer. But I'm like, I could do $11. It's not $25. I bought it again this year. I had it, and I was like, this beer is so effing good. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it is about it. But the the amount of depth of flavor in that beer just speaks to me. Um, if you're a big barrel aged stout person, and you haven't tried it yet. I would very highly suggest it. Um, if it's not your favorite beer, that just means we've got different palates, and that's fine. But um, that was my favorite beer of the year, and I think that is now my favorite barrel aged stout that I've had in my life, um, surpassing Spice Wars from that's last great. year. Because Spice great. Wars was really good, and that was like a whoa moment for me. I've got a bottle of it. I uh, don't tempt me with a good time. <laughs> um, but that that tough love, man, it's so good. And it if you got if you got money to spare for it, it's it's certainly worth it. And like I said, they're in smaller bottles this year, so you can it's easier to afford. So that's there, my favorite beer of the year. There are a few other beers that I do that I do want to give some shout out to. I think I think me personally, that that Von Ebert Pills just really speaks to me. But in terms of like the logger of the year, I think I mean how do, I don't know how it doesn't go to like Wayfinder's Hell. Yeah. Um that beer has become a now staple in this town. Thank you Kevin and the team at at Wayfinder for that beer, especially that you package it, you dear sweet lord. I love you. Um I think that beer is fantastic. I want to give some love to uh that Fresh Hop Oktoberfest beer from uh Zeugel House that we had. I thought that beer was fantastic. The Fresh Hop Strata IPA from Sun River was fantastic. All of the Sun River cans that came out this year, they're they're like they're sig- black seasonal they're black release seasonal ones. release cans that weren't hazies just because I'm not a hazy fan. All of those were fantastic. I can't remember all their names right now, but the Fresh Hop Strata was good. The Market of Spade is is the one out right now, and there's another one that I really really love that I can't remember the name. So I want to give a, a shout out to that and that Sonin Grown from Bailbreaker. Mm. Just wow. Mm. Mm. Just super good. I've been drinking a lot of Crux Pilsner lately. It's either their New Zealand Pilsner or their New World Pils, and that's been something I enjoyed throughout 2019. I've been telling you, I, I've been high on Crux this year, and you were like, yeah, you weren't like negative. You were just like, yeah. yeah, I just haven't had Crux in a while. It makes me very happy to say that. Yeah, and then um, I've... Uh, you say that. You know, if 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 you are a big fan of Breakside, you know, I think, you know, Stay West has been a fantastic beer this year. It just tastes so good each batch, batch in, batch out. And at Slab Town, I can't drink more Bazooka Face if I tried. Uh, and Cuddle Puddle. And Cuddle Puddle. Yes, yes. Um, so th- th- those are probably the, the most frequented drank beers in my life of 2019. Was the Oligarch this year or was that last year? Oligarch was this year. Also. Right? This year? Or was it like last December? <laughs> I don't know. It was around for Zwickelmania. No, it was Zwickelmania. Yeah, so it was early this year. Early this year, February. Um, delightful when they came out, too. That was, <laughs> yeah, that was super so, fun. So much fun. Absolutely. All right. Favorite specialty beers of the year this year. This one's a very easy one for me. 
I've talked about it ad nauseum on this podcast. I've had every single one of them. It's Gigantic's Hellboy series. Mm-hmm. Bravo, guys, for making that series. I thought literally every single one of those beers was great. I, I had, and they were not all styles that I was interested in. Um, they were all delightful to drink. Uh, and I'll tell you, if my most surprising beer is one of those coming up. Um, but I thought it was really cool to do it uh, based on like Hellboy characters and making beers that were based on the, the comics and the movies and all that kind of stuff uh, from the maple syrup pancake stout that you guys did to the indigo blue beer that was literally just like a blue lager. And it was really, really good. Um, just really, really good job this year, guys, of, of making a an interesting series for the year, but also one that was marketed well. I saw it all over the place. People wanted it. It was it was a must-have kind of collection, which I thought was really cool. Uh, and I want to see more of when people do these specialty beers. So bravo to Gigantic. Um, mine is, I can never say the name of this. I actually had to look it up because I couldn't remember the name because I can't pronounce it. But it's Obisance. Obisance. I can't remember or like that. Obesions or something. Obesions, something like that. It's the specialty saison from Von Ebert. Von Ebert. Um, that beer was fantastic. I have a bottle of it at home that I didn't even realize that I have, and I've seen some still on shelves, which blows my mind because it's a GABF medal winner. Um, I am not the biggest saison drinker in the entire world. Um, I do. I don't mind barrel aged saisons with fruit. That stuff is kind of an easier appeal to me. But this beer was fantastic across the board. It was balanced. It was crisp. It, it was clean and gave gave the palate very, some very fun flavors that, uh, again, puts this brewery on the map. And it's something different than what I'm used to having from them because I'm so used to the hoppy stuff at the Pearl. This comes out of the Glendevere. Uh, I choose that beer. Uh, my most surprising beer of the year was the Hellboy series Cranberry Yuzu Sour. I bought it and I was like, I'm buying all these beers. Let's go. Really enjoyed it because it mm-hmm. wasn't like a super tart sour. It, the, I, I don't know if that was the yuzu or just the way they made it. It was a really well-balanced cranberry sour, but it was it, it didn't make you suck your teeth like you were having a warhead. It was just a good balanced beer. I was not expecting to love it. And I did love it, actually. I thought it was really good. So that was my most surprising beer of the year. My most surprising beer of the year. Last Hmm. year, for example, uh, we picked the Seasons Change from Laurelwood because we were like, Oh, yeah, that beer was so weird. It looks like a winter beer, or it reads like a winter beer, but it looks like a summer beer. It It was very interesting. Most surprising beer. I don't know if I have it. I think I was quite surprised at how bad that Anchor Brewing uh, <laughs> Merry Christmas, Happy New Year beer was. I was quite surprised at how bad that was. Uh, I don't know if I have a surprising beer. Uh, Not I much have, surprises me, I feel like. I have a second one. Um, remember, uh, my wife surprised me on my birthday by doing an up-the-coast little brewery trip. Right. And we stopped at DeGard. Yeah. And oh, she didn't, And she didn't know that I... That I or didn't know that Degard only did sours. Mm-hmm. So we went there and I was like, well, I mean, I'm I'm open to try it again. Of course, I just don't love sours. I liked every single beer that I got there. That's really cool. And I think that was kind of a turning point for me this year with that style. I had always been very averse to having them after having a couple early in my craft beer life and just being like, yeah, this is not my thing. Um, I am now starting to enjoy sours more. Cool. I got <clears throat> get ready for beers of the week. I mean, with not re- not today, but. Generally. In, in the future, yeah. Uh, one that I had recently was I had Block 15's Oud Bruin, and um, I I bought it knowing what I was getting myself into. Uh, I knew, I, I also bought it because it's got some of the dark beer flavors that I like in that kind of thing. There's like some toffee and stuff like that, but I knew there was going to be a sour aspect to it, and I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I'm going to say I like sours yet fully, but I am now appreciating them for what they are. And holy crap, DeGuard makes great sours. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, they're pretty great out there. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, I guess, I mean, now that I think about this, I just kind of think of things a little more broadly. Um, I am, I'm a little surprised in how much lately I've been enjoying kind of some milk stouts. Um, I think the creaminess of it is kind of like, it's, it's, I'm able to drink it as a dessert and it's not too heavy. 
I'm going to go ahead and take some credit for... You can have some. ...for just bringing you more dark beer so that it's on your mind. <laughs> um, this, like, Sun River's Cocoa Cow, I, I really enjoy That's that. There's beer. something really nice about sitting in bed, stoned, watching TV, and sipping on that milk stout, because it's creamy, it's chocolatey, mm-hmm. it's kind of like eating a candy bar. I don't eat a ton of chocolate or sweets in my life, but there is a time when I do like a little bit of a candy bar, and that beer kind of suffices when you're high in bed watching, <laughs> you know, cartoons or Mando or something like that, and... Um, um, and then I would say this, I think this just hit me. I've been saying all the time in talking about loggers and us laughing about crispies and things like that, that I love loggers. I love things like Hellas and Vienna, uh, and I'm, that I'm not a big Pilsner fan, but I realized I've been drinking Crux, Von Ebert, Freem, Breakside, Pilsners all year long. And enjoying them. And massively enjoying them. So I think maybe the most surprising thing is that maybe I am a Pilsner drinker. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I am a Pilsner drinker. You learned something about yourself I, this year. I did. I was like, I don't really like Pilsners. They're super bready and lug, it's lug, not lug, really lug, my lug, thing. Lug, lug, lug. I will oh, another say, good Pilsner. I will say this though. The Von Ebert is hoppy AF. The Freem is very hoppy. The Breakside is very hoppy. And the Crux is like a New Zealand hoppy. So I'm not really drinking like german style pilsners per se i'm drinking pacific northwest we have so many hops and we can't get over it but we can't make ipas every day kind of pilsners that's a nice way to uh dance around not liking pilsners still (laughs) you can just admit that you like them it's okay okay maybe i like pilsners (laughs) uh in terms of our podcast this year favorite episode and favorite guest and favorite experience i'll ask them all at once so you got some time to think about them instead of Coming one at a time for me. I think an obvious answer for favorite episode would be celebrating our one year at Grains with Mike mm-hmm. Hunsker. That was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the two others is uh, OBAs was early this year for me. It was my first experience there. That was a ton of fun to go to. Um, what? <laughs> Nothing. It was it was fun. I was laughing about it because we had a good time. It was a fun time, and doing the episode was fun too. So that was fun. But my my favorite episode was uh, the Burgers Brewer Ball Brawl, oh, yeah. or the Brewer Burger Brawl episode. We that went was to, fun. Went to Wayfinder. We had the four sliders and the beer pairing in front of us. Uh, I felt like it was a difficult episode to do because we were eating. Um, but I thought it was a lot of fun. And then the people who were sitting next to us were super interested in us as a podcast. So that was kind of <laughs> cool to like talk yeah. to them after we finished recording. Um, so that was that was probably my favorite. But uh, second to uh, OBAs in our one year with uh, Mike and, and Greens. Uh, my my favorite episode was probably the birth of the tasting room. Mm. Um, I really enjoy that stuff. That, That's fun. That that gets my nerd gears going, and and I and I like it because even though we've always wanted this podcast to be more than just tasting beers and talking about beers. Sometimes we just want that's to taste all beers. you need to do is taste yeah. beers and talk about beers. Uh, so I'm, I'm about that. Um, my favorite experience, uh, oh, that would be my favorite experience or is that my favorite episode? It could be one of the, I same. think it's both. I think it's both my favorite guest. I'm, I'm biased. It's Mike. I mean, Mike's my guy. Um, I voted for I, him last year, so I, I chose not to vote for him this year. I, I I love chatting with Mike because Mike is so real, but yet so humble, and he's willing to he's willing to talk to you on any kind of level you are, whether you know your stuff, don't know anything, or think you know things <laughs> like me. Mike is Mike is great, and I think him and I relate easily on stuff, and he's a little loose. Uh, outside of that, I also give some love to Dave too because Dave's great. Well, yeah. So Dave Fleming is the one I was gonna say for my favorite guest of the year uh, i thought it was really it was an interesting topic because he was up front with us that he knew lucky lab wasn't doing well when he mm-hmm. went in there and he had to kind of shake things up and change up some recipes and get the beer to where it needed to be to compete in the current portland beer market because they were one of the ones who had been here for a long time but hadn't really changed at all mm-hmm. and i thought he was really open about it and i thought that was really interesting and i thought he was just a cool cool personality yep um so and, and dave's a cool insight from old school because he's old school you know, he's been around the block yep. seven or eight times, you know, to where some of these guys, you know, this is only their second, first or second tour of duty here in this town. And Dave's been in this town for 30 years. Yeah. So that, I thought that was my favorite guest. And then in terms of experience, it was going to McMiniman's Edgefield and talking to Dan and doing the podcast there. That was cool. I learned, I've I've lived in this town since I was 11 years old. That was my first time at Edgefield. Yeah. I've lived in this town since I was 11 years old and I've been to Edgefield what seems like a thousand times. And I learned a lot about their brand. Um, I learned a lot about their brand. 
just in terms how it's so much more than beer. how it's so much more than beer and we always kind of knew that but like he was talking about they're working on like cheese and they're working on all this other stuff and you're just like this is crazy man this all starts from beer and i mean he kind of danced around the idea that beer is maybe not priority number one anymore but i think that's okay i think they've got their hands in so many more stuff and I, I will not go the rest of my life without having a McMinimins beer. I can tell you that. Yeah. So that that was really fun. I will, I'm with you on that one. So that was my favorite experience. Um, there you go. Moving forward for the podcast, I, I want to do more on location stuff. A lot of that has to do with schedules and availability yep. of people and equipment. But um, beyond that, I think we've been we've been having fun. It's been fun. So it's that's, been that's great. really what I want to do more of, and that's basically it. Yeah. That's all. That that's the whole point of this of this shebang is to make sure we we do fun stuff. And if you guys have anything you want or think is a good idea, uh, let us know. I've I mean, been chatting. Reach I've, out to us. And I've been chatting with some of you guys through Instagram, and I'd really like to do this. Um, I'd really like to find a spot that we can do a live recording of a podcast and get some people out. And you guys can come out and, you know, hell, some of you, some of you diehards that always chat with us, maybe we'll bring you on, ask you a few questions, or you can ask us a few questions, do something live, interact with you guys at a location, something fun. I'd like to put something like that together. Yeah, I'd like that too. Um, maybe we do that for two year anniversary, or maybe we just do it for the hell of it. Yeah, I, I, we've been working on some of that stuff behind the scenes. Uh, one of them fell through recently, just never really materialized. But uh, we were working on some stuff for that. And if if behind the scenes stuff doesn't work, we might just say screw it and do it ourselves. Yep. Um, so uh, keep an eye out for that because I think that'd be really fun. And uh, just to kind of help create more of a connection between us and you guys who, who listen when you do listen. So, uh, all right, let's do a beer of the week next. I know you got to get out of here pretty soon. So yep. we'll, we'll go record beer of the week and we'll wrap this sucker up next here on beers and us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Beer of the week time here on beers and us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. And I just gave Patrick a look. Because he blocked the beer. <laughs> I can't see it, but I know what brewery it is based on the bottle. Yeah, it's alone. Um, we've got ourselves a Pelican beer here. Yes, sir. We did a Pelican beer of the week recently. It was yep. the uh, Cascadian Dark Ale, their Bad Santa. Yes, it was. And uh, now we have another one. So what do we got for our beer of the week today, sir? Another one. First of all, I was thinking about this. Maybe I can't remember, but I wonder what our favorite beer of the week was this year. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. I know. It's impossible. Well, I don't, well, it's not impossible, but... Well, first of all, I don't, in the description, put what the beer of the week is. I, I leave so it you, as a surprise. So you'd have to like go back or I have to look at all the Instagram posts or something. Anyway, yeah. it was just something that I thought right. about. What we have here is um, one of my coworkers, um, the great Connie at Breakside. She is a former Pelican person. Uh, she's also been at Breakside since day one, so shout out to her. Uh, she gave me this for Christmas. And uh, I don't know if she was out there uh, or what, or just was being nice or had it lying around the house and re-gifted. I don't care. It was a very nice thought, especially because, as I alluded to earlier, I've been drinking a little more of this style. And I figured this would be fun since I only have one. And I wanted to share it with you, Michael. Okay. Uh, this is Pelican's The Brood Abides, which is a 7% oh, yeah. white Russian-inspired milk stout. Hell yeah. I saw this on Instagram and was like, I'm never going to see this, am I? Uh, we found we found it. Yeah. This is good. This is good. So I don't know if it was something, because I haven't, oh, I did see this in town. It was? I saw it at Bridgetown. Okay. Um, And I would have bought one, but then Connie gave me one, so I figured I'd share it with you. Well, I love that it's brood, the brood abides. Yeah. And I love that it's a white Russian, so for all of you guys out there who, uh, who love the dude, then this fits you perfectly, and... Um, I'm very excited about this. By the way, um, this getting good head on it is uh, is reminding me. I forget which beer it was. I had a beer this week that I want to say was like a, it was like a German style Dunkel or something. Mm -hmm. And when I poured it, I think this was like one of those five minute beers because I I know how to pour beer. I'm not right. I'm not a moron. And I, I poured it, and it was like 85% foam. Sweet. And I was like, my wife was like, first time pouring a beer, honey? And I was like, <laughs> no, like I poured this correctly. Like, I know what I'm doing. I can't. Oh, God, I'm so mad. I can't remember what beer it was. Um, but it was like, I had to wait for all the foam to dissolve and then slowly keep pouring more beer. And I was like, this is what this is like. All right. I love it, it when you taste get it good. I love it when you get a good beer. And most of it's mostly like loggers that do this. 
when you pour it and you get head and then it rises above the glass and you get that almost like mushroom cloud. That happened in this that's one. That's yeah. so awesome. I was like, oh no, oh no. Oh, it's fine. It's yeah, fine. that's Because like awesome. the air shrinks it in the middle. Yeah, because you don't want it to spill over the sides, but you love it when it pops up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a nice nerdy rant. Um, so, white Russian inspired Ooh. milk stout, 7%. Ooh. Let's see. All Ooh. brewers like a cocktail from time to time, but how about the best of both worlds in this cocktail-inspired beer? Taking inspiration from the classic white Russian cocktail as well as the movie that made it famous is The Brood Abides, a milk stout with vanilla, coffee, and cocoa. This unique beer pours a chocolate color with dents of white head and entices the senses with an aromatic bouquet of vanilla, coffee, and dark chocolate brewed with coffee, cocoa, lactose, and vanilla. Yeah, I wanted to taste it with you because if it was good, that way you could have it and I could have it and I know whether to buy another one. Because I was really afraid of like opening this and tasting it and being like, ah, I don't like it. Well, it's possible. I mean, as much as you might like milk stouts now, this is a very flavorful milk stout, so it's going to give you lot more of a punch like a like a stout normally would versus like a kind of more mild like the cocoa cows are pretty mild chocolate milk stout easy mm. to drink this is very flavorful i like this a lot though i do like this um i like how they mentioned that it's going to have a little bit more head because it does and it's got a good kind of like mm-hmm. sitting head on it um the smell to me is very coffee uh, I don't get a ton of the vanilla in the smell, but the vanilla is in the flavor. Vanilla's in the flavor you big get a time. a lot of vanilla. I actually think the coffee's a little subdued in the flavor. Which is, I <clears> prefer, <throat> personally, um, not to cut you off there, but um, I'm learning more and more about my own personal taste doing this podcast. I'm trending away from the coffee stouts. I don't, for some reason, it's like, it's too much. It overpowers I was going to say, it. it's, just, it's not that you don't like the coffee in the stout, but you just think it's overdone. Yeah, 100%. Because you drink coffee, right? I do. Because I do not. I like coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's overdone in a lot of stouts. So when, recently I've been shying away from them. Like recently I I, I had a, oh, I got to Kill the Sun from Ex Novo this week. Oh. And they had a cinnamon vanilla one and like a coffee chocolate one. And I intentionally chose the cinnamon one because I knew I probably wouldn't love the coffee. Interesting. So I'm, okay. I, I'm learning a little bit more about what type of imperial stouts are barrel aged stouts that I like. Yeah, I, I don't drink coffee. I haven't had I haven't had coffee in years and years and years now um but i do enjoy the the aroma especially like you know freshly roasted beans that smells delicious and i do like the flavor of coffee it just doesn't settle well with sit well with my body either way um so i'm with you and i can't do the over coffeed beverages flavored beers yeah and this i love where it is and i actually because I've been drinking like cocoa cow, it's way more milkier than this. Mm. But I think this balances well. I think this is really good. There's, there's. Do you some... think cocoa cow's milkier because it's only one flavor? It's chocolate. I, yeah, I think it's just cho- a, a chocolate milk stout. Yeah. To where this has a lot more layers and depth to it. Depth to it. I think this is cool. I think it's. I think it's really dry. I think mm-hmm. we're getting that from the coffee. Yep. Which I think is a a fun balance because the mid palate is so creamy. From and the, the vanilla lactose. is very sweet. Yeah. So it cuts that a little bit. Yeah. And the dryness, otherwise, if it wasn't this dry, otherwise, I think this beer would be too sweet. But I like this. I think it's it's rounded. It finishes nicely. Look, I I said it once before. I think Pelican's doing a really good job with some of their specialty beers right now. Yeah. Um, I had one when I went to Pacific City this summer. It was like a Nazaka beer. I think that's a type of hop. Mm-hmm. I, yep. It's a hop. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was spectacular. And it was only at their t- at their pub because it was a it was a small batch beer. And I was like, this is really good. And I think you get with some of the bigger breweries like Pelican, or you could, you know, use any of the other ones, for example, uh, that, that you want, is you get used to seeing the same ones, and they all they always taste the same because it's the same recipe, and you kind of you get used to it, right? Right. And you're like, oh, well, that's what Pelican is. No, Pelican's still making really cool, interesting beers. It's just not necessarily mass produced, and I think that's this is a great example of that. Agreed. Twofold. Um, I think Pelican is one of my first loves as a craft beer, as a craft brewery. Since '96, I think I went to them. For the first time in 07, 06, probably. I mean, I turned 21 the summer of 2006. So probably shortly after that was the first time I went there. First growler I ever bought was from Pelican. Um, But I definitely would agree that I went through a dip where I stopped drinking their beer. And I've been drinking a lot more of their beer lately. And then the second thing is what I love about this is... I'm seeing this with other breweries. We're doing it at Breakside, and I'm seeing it with some other stuff. I love the concept of cocktail-inspired beers. I love it. I love it. I love it. This is a little more surfacey than maybe some of the stuff we're doing, um, 
but I've seen other breweries trying to make beers that mimic cocktails because it opens up. It it brings in a lot more uh, first-time beer drinkers. It is more accessible. Like, if you're a white Russian drinker and you don't like beer, you might dig this a lot. Yeah. You know, and then boom, then you're like, oh, maybe I do kind of like beer. And then you can put that that coffee stout or that cocoa cow in front of them. And they're like, oh, this is really good. And then you've got a black pea porter in them. And they're like, wow, this is awesome. Then bam, gotcha. <laughs> uh, so I stuck I, for life. Yeah, so I love the concept of, of, of cocktail inspired beers. And, and I think this one's quite delicious. The thing is, I don't think I've ever had a white Russian before. Really? So I know what a white Russian is. Yeah. Obviously, I've seen the Big Lebowski many, mm-hmm. many times and. I just don't think I've ever had one myself. I mean, is Vodka, this is Kahlua this and half and half. is this similar in flavor profile to you, or is it it's more loosely inspired by because it's got similar flavors? I think I think it's pretty close for what a beer can do. Okay. I mean, I think that's the best part about it saying inspired because I think they're trying to they're trying to say we want to give you the the creamy lactose part of the half and half, but also bring you in on the Kahlua. That's a coffee liqueur. So there's a touch of sweetness that you're getting from the vanilla, but also that roasty earthiness you're getting from the coffee. But the lactose sugar, the half and half is going to make it smooth and the vodka is there to get you drunk. Well, there it is. Our beer of the week, the brood abides by Pelican, a white Russian inspired milk stout. I know what it is. I know what the best beer of the week of 2020 was, of 2019 was. Okay. It was the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Whoa. That's what it was. Great job. That's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening the entire year. It's been a lot of fun. We're going to keep doing it. As long as you guys are listening, we're going to keep doing it. So uh, uh, let us know any ideas you have for things you'd like to see more this year. Uh, we want to do more tasting rooms, obviously. We kind of stopped doing those recently just because of time constraints, but we want to do more of those. Obviously, we want to do more on locations and whatever you guys are interested in. Let us know. And plus, obviously, what Patrick mentioned, doing a live uh, thing of this, even if it's just a couple of you guys who come out, would still be really, really cool. So um, keep an ear out all year long. Like, subscribe, review wherever you find us. Follow us on social media, Instagram.com slash beers on us. And uh, we will see you next week. Tres catorces? Catorces. No, no, no. I think we're going to do that at the end of our, our second year. Oh, good call. Traces. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.